DiscerningHearts.com presents Building a Kingdom of Love with Monsignor John Essif. Monsignor Essif is a priest of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He has served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Mother Teresa. He continues to offer direction and retreats for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Monsignor Essif encountered St. Padre Pio, who became a spiritual father to him. He has lived in areas around the world, serving in the pontifical missions, a Catholic organization established by St. John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially the poor. He continues to serve as a retreat leader and director to bishops, priests, sisters, and seminarians, and other religious leaders. Building the Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. What's on your heart today, Monsignor? Today, I would love to address this Sunday, or all of you Catholics who are going to Mass, what is that that you're going to experience and see and hear and love at Mass? So often, I, I'm really sorry over these years that the encounter, especially with the angels at Mass, or something many times that escapes Catholics and the priests. You know, what you're going to do is enter into, when you come into the Eucharistic celebration, the throne of God. We are coming before the Holy Trinity in this glorious and divine worship of God Almighty. And so as we come into the presence of the Father, he is surrounded by a triad of angels the glory and the lofty throne of God. We actually are going to come into the presence of God the Father, who has surrounded himself with seraphim and cherubim and thrones, who know intimately the love and the presence of God. In the Eucharist, every Sunday, we acknowledge their presence, and we sometimes call them by their very name, as we come into the presence of the holy, holy, holy. Worship is the very first act of love that we can have to God the Father. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, whom we adore and love and honor as our Redeemer and Savior, came down the second person of the Trinity and took on flesh, became incarnate, and that's in our creed, of the Virgin Mary, he came down and descended into our earth and ascended again to the right hand of the Father. He is surrounded by angels, dominions, and virtues, and powers. He is surrounded by this triad of angels. The Holy Spirit, by whom Mary became incarnate and He overshadows her. He is surrounded by a triad of angels, principalities, and archangels and angels, because he is the closest to the church and this triad. The first, as I orient you to this wonderful coming into God's presence, is to read to you the 12th chapter of Revelations, John, in his book of Revelations, is now introducing God on his throne. The devil has been cast out of hell, and the woman who has been surrounded by the sun, 
the sun was bathing her, and she had conceived this Jesus. Because of his presence, the presence of the evil one was no longer tolerated in heaven, and he had been cast out. And on that casting out of Satan by Michael, this battle had just taken place. Now, this is the 10th verse of the 12th chapter. Now have salvation and power come, and the kingdom of our God, the authority of his anointed, for the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who accused them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. These are the words I would like to have you especially hear. Therefore, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell therein. When you go to Mass today, there are millions and millions of saints in heaven. There are millions and millions of angels surrounding the throne of God. Myriads are there. But woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, for he knows he has but a short time. So when you enter into Mass today, think of yourself as coming to into this world of heaven. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell therein. We are going to go to Mass and rejoice with the angels and the saints. But when we come to the door of the church and we're coming back out, but woe to you, earth and sea, and as we step back onto this planet from our heavenly excursion with our commander, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with angels and saints, but woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, for he knows he has but a short time. And so we are coming out into warfare and we're coming out into battle because this enemy of ours, and he knows he has but a short time to destroy us. But as I greet you going into Mass, I would like to have you know the glory and the presence and the magnificence of the presence of these great friends of ours. What does the throne of God look like as you go into Mass today? What I would love you to experience, priests, bishops, people of God, is what Isaiah experienced in his sixth chapter. In the lofty throne of God, there we find God on his throne. But what is he surrounded by? In the year of King Uzziah, this is the sixth chapter of Isaiah, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne with the train of his garment filling the temple. Seraphim were stationed above 
Each of them had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. These magnificent creatures, so powerful, couldn't even gaze upon the face of God. So magnificent is God. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they hovered. One cried out to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. Around the throne of God, as you enter every one of us, as we present ourselves to prepare ourselves to meet and encounter fellow worshipers of God, seraphim, cherubim, thrones, these magnificent creatures praising, glorifying, honoring God, the Father. And around the throne of Jesus, ascended into heaven, he who descended and became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, suffered and died and rose in the year 33, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, is now at Mass. He is there, giving access to us, worshipers, of his suffering on the cross, of his death on the cross, and of his resurrection. What a gift we have at the Eucharist and surrounding the altar, worshiping and glorifying are those particular angels and angelic powers, the dominions, the virtues, and the powers. As we glorify Jesus on the cross, as we glorify Jesus in his resurrection, and in his ascension. Glory, praise, and honor to God. How little we are instructed as to the power and the glory and the praise around our altars as today. And so as we prepare the Holy Spirit who comes upon us and as he lifts us and unites us in this power of love, what is the force of the worship of God? What is the first commandment? To love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind. As a worshiper of God on your way to Mass today, beloved fellow Catholics, all over the world, this has taken place. Actually, even as you're driving to Mass, you're going, the Holy Spirit is already in you preparing you, enlightening you, guiding you, directing you. The force of love that comes from the Holy Spirit is surrounded by a triad of angels, principalities, and archangels, and angels, as they accompany us into this magnificent worship and glory and praise. When we come into the Eucharist, each of us is being prepared for this magnificent encounter as we come today to greet him and to be with him. I would like to pray with you today. This is the preparation the church will give us. The Lord be with you.
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. All over the world today, in every language, going up before the throne of God, it is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for through his Paschal mystery, through his suffering, through his death and resurrection and ascension, he accomplished the marvelous deeds by which he has freed us from the yoke of sin and death, summoning us to the glory of being now called a chosen race. We are the new Jerusalem, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of your own possession to proclaim everywhere your mighty works. For you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And now, listen what we say every single Sunday. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with hosts and powers and seraphim, and cherubim of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna, Hosanna on high. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna on high. I love to see the seraphim. They're covering their faces. They're, they're just there with us, glorifying, worshiping God. As the priest proceeds, Father, Bishop, as you proceed in consecrating the hosts, the wine, the blood, they're worshiping, glorifying, honoring, praising God are the whole hosts of heaven. The, the, the glory of God that is being sung, we are actually now in heaven where all of the saints, you see, rejoice you who are in the heavens for your salvation has come. We are joining with the angels and the saints in the glory of God. I just was at the canonization of St. Teresa of Calcutta, one of the little saints in the history of all of the saints, how many there are 
and those who are saints without having been canonized. And I know that there are saints from my own family and yours and all those who are in heaven because of Jesus suffering, dying, and rising and ascending because of their baptism, their confirmation, and their beautiful times that when they were joined with us here on earth, we now, fellow worshiper, Catholic on your way to Mass, this is the scene. And how little we know about these creatures who are known as angels, who are glorifying and praising God. And even as we enter into the praise and glory and the worship of God, flat on their faces and kneeling before him are the demons by the power and the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ here present among us. And then when you go to receive him, when you come up, what is that which he has come to assist us with? every worshiper, sin. He wants to heal us of our sins. And so we say to him before we receive him, O Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. We say to him at the penance rite at the beginning of the Eucharist, forgive me, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Sin and Satan is his enemy. And he who is the enemy of Satan, who has saved us from, our, from Satan and death, is now going to be coming to us so that we now will be equipped. Woe to you who are here on earth. For the devil, your adversary, goes about as a roaring lion. He knows he only has a short time, and he wants to destroy us. And so equipped as we are, and fortified as we are for the battle, now we have comrades. We have the angels. And how little we really call upon them to assist us in our battle. These are tremendous allies in our fight. And we have a guardian who is our angel. We have St. Michael, who is a champion warrior who was with us. We have Mary, who's the queen of the angels. We have so much power to be equipped at this Eucharist. And we have Jesus. We have the powerful and the holy name of Jesus. And we have his life within us. And we have the angels. As you come to Mass today, this has been a beautiful a day for me as I was thinking about the celebration of the Eucharist itself. Monsignor? Yes. Isn't it interesting that for some who may hear you, maybe they've never appreciated just how true what you've just said is. And yet we will stand at Mass and we will say we believe in the visible and invisible. It's a part of our creed. 
we believe in things we cannot see. We say is a part of a creed that defines who we are. Can I just take a cue from you there, Chris, and let me go over that creed. You see, when we say the visible and the invisible, you have just told God your faith. And, and so often I think it's something that we fail to recognize. Here is what we say right after the homily. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, so that what God has made that is visible is the material world. Only 10% of what we encounter in life is visible. God himself is invisible. The Father is invisible. Jesus now at the right hand of the Father is invisible. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in a punctuous pile of suffered, died, and was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. He's Where is he? We have nice pictures of him, but where is he? And is he, is he visible to my eye? I believe in the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit? And how do we touch it? Invisible world. The 90%, that's the greatest reality, the sustainer, of all the material. We have lived in an era and time of materialism when people are saying that's the only thing there is. There is only matter, and that's all that matters. What a huge, enormous mistake that is. And that's why it's so difficult to really know the truth. If it's invisible, it's less than, or it's so scary I stay away from it. You can't. You can't ignore the reality. God is a reality. The spirits that God has created, the angels, the archangels, the principalities, the dominions, the virtues, the powers, the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. These are all huge, huge realities. And there are millions of them. And you can't escape them. And they're all around us. And they're there as, now, some as enemies. And I'm going to be also teaching that. But only one-third of them has fallen. Two-thirds of them have remained loyal. And these are the holy angels that surround us. Thank you for that question. A final thought, Monsignor? What is it that they assist us in doing? I really believe what I would like all of us to think of this moment as God on his throne and all of us, the angelic choirs, all the saints, and see me as a person, as a Catholic, joining them. And there's a beautiful prayer that ends the Eucharistic celebration, just as it begins with this holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, that Eucharistic prayer ends with this. Through him and with him and in him, O God, almighty Father, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor are yours forever and ever. Amen. As a people and as the whole court of heaven answers that prayer, summoning up the Eucharistic prayer, beginning with the holy, 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 and entering into that magnificent prayer to the Father in the union of the Jesus who suffers, dies, rises, and ascends. And now, for the glory of the Holy Spirit who has gathered us into one, through him, may we all become one, that right after the consecration, we call upon the Holy Spirit to unite all of us so that in that final amen, do you know what amen really means? I believe. I believe. Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe that you are God. And I want to join this Sunday in worshiping and glorifying and praising you. Amen. Thank you so much, Monsignor. Thank you. Well, I hope you have a good time in the visible world today. (laughs) Thank you. God bless. You've been listening to Building a Kingdom of Love with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essef.